You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To left center, deep, gone, Brewers lead it. And a swing and a miss, he struck him out. Down the line, and that's the ball game. Good morning, Brewers fans. Good afternoon. Uh, Your 2023 Milwaukee Brewers are now officially National League Central Division champions. That was as of Tuesday, last night. Adam McKelvey, Tim Dillard, Sophia Minert here for a clinched edition of Brewers Unfiltered. And guys, it's maybe not how you drew it up. Maybe not how the script usually goes for a clinching situation. I will start by describing it as maybe emotional whiplash. <laughs> um, it, uh, the Brewers lost last night in the opening game to the St. Louis Cardinals, and they were waiting on the outcome of the Cubs and the Braves. And as late as the sixth inning, the Cubs had a six to nothing lead until they did not. <laughs> and so the outcomes of these two games actually lined up um, pretty similarly of you know, just as the game played out, you were getting updates from the Cubs and Braves game. Okay, it's now the Braves are on the board. It's it's six to three. Then all of a sudden it was six to five. And then it was the bottom of the eighth. And in Milwaukee, it was the ninth inning. And you started to get rumblings in the crowd. And the all of a sudden fans are doing the tomahawk chop in the crowd. And the game is over. The team goes in, and all of a sudden, they're division champions. I think just for all of us, um, it, it's an incredible night. I think it was crazy circumstances leading up to it. What What do you guys take away from how it all unfolded last night? People are going to say the Brewers backed into the playoffs. If you're one of those people who wants to say that, go ahead. But if it's backing into the playoffs, it's like teaching your kid how to drive, and they put they put it in reverse accidentally and slam on the gas and crash back through the garage door. That, that was how the Brewers backed <laughs> into the playoffs there. It was, you know, and, and like, it's like time is a flat circle sort of thing because yes, this is not the way they, they drew it up. It's, it's, they wanted to go in after winning. They wanted to pop champagne after a win. But the thing we're going to remember about this always is the crazy circumstances, say a Suzuki being Brant Brown 25 years later. And, um, you know, I think of 08 as one of the most special days at Miller Park slash American Family Field. It's up there easily in the top three. And the thing you remember about that day, as much as the Ryan Braun home run, as much as CC Sabathia flexing, is that crazy scene where all the players are crowded into the lunchroom waiting for the outcome of the other game. And it's going to be the same, I think, for this memory. The division clinches. No one's ever going to forget where they were when they heard or saw Seiya Suzuki drop that ball. So backing in, if that's your view, whatever, um, the Brewers will view it as they they won a lot of games. That's what Devin Williams said on the field. You know, we earned it. We won enough baseball games to do this. And they gave themselves that cushion. And sometimes you need the cushion. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. I mean, it you you wish it was this fairy tale thing where everybody's like on the field and it's a big deal and you get to because you see some of those memories, right? Throwback from you know baseball playoffs, making playoffs all across 
the history of the game, but um, you, you can't, you have no control over that. And they did. They won a ton of games. They're tied seventh right now in the most games won this season. So they're going to get to 90 wins. It's, it's a great, great season. It doesn't matter really how you get in. Um, and they did. They lost the game, but they won the war, right? Like they did all their work throughout the year. It's all about getting in. And I don't know. That was for me. I'm like, you know what? This, this is just one more thing to kind of chalk up. I'm like, hey, this is how they got in. And uh, I love when Craig Council's like, it's about doing this four more times. Uh, that's, that's the outlook. You know, it really doesn't matter how you get there. It just it matters where your team's at. Um, and I think the team's in a good spot. You know, my favorite part of the clinch is always watching you navigate it because you <laughs> you are in the line of fire. And I don't know how you take all the incoming and like conduct these interviews that are, oh, by the way, live on television. <laughs> live on Jumbotron. Live on Jumbotron, oh my too, God. for all the crowd that was waiting. So, yeah, we got to see on the Jumbo. What's your strategy? What, I mean, what, so what could how do you possibly do that? go wrong? <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, you add alcohol, athletes, and live TV. What could go wrong? Um, <laughs> it's really fun. Listen, I, I don't think any of us take those days and, like, those moments for granted because I think those are what stand the test of time, Adam, right? Like, you're still you know, recalling like 2008 and the scene in the, in the kitchen and and running out. And like, that is the stuff that you remember, you know, it's, it's really, it's, I've always considered it to be such a privilege just to be in the room, like just to be in the room, just to participate in that. Um, it is really chaotic though. You guys know from being in there, it's really chaotic. Um, I spent the first couple minutes of the clinch last night panic looking for either one of the camera people that were in there um, just to start the interviews because for us the process was a little different normally in a win I would get Craig Council live on the field right away and then go in for the you know the pop the celebration and all of that and then start getting the players and Matt Arnold and everyone else and so I wanted to get to Craig right away uh, before he got you know swallowed up by everything and so I was kind of panic looking for Craig and um, finally got him and I, it's it's just such a fun night and I think yeah I, I agree with you guys like you you win 88 games and you deserve to celebrate like that and they they intentionally did a more muted calm toast on Friday with the idea of this coming hopefully soon um, it did feel a little bit like shades of 2021 when it took them of um, up until the final regular season home game to clinch um, and, and I think you heard from the players too, and I know Adam, you asked them too, like the release that maybe came from that of like, the, there was, they really wanted to get it done in Miami and then you have the off day and you come home and you want to get it done here now in front of the home fans. I think they were feeling that, you know, I think you could sense that from them, even just in the game last night. So I think last night was just finally that release of like, we did it, right? We accomplished this this big goal. But that, that is what I was gonna ask you is like, what will you take away as like your favorite, maybe your favorite conversation or something you saw or just like, you know, your favorite kind of memory from from the, the whole celebration? I'll, I'll just say too, that one was, um, I asked Devin Williams, you know, what would you tell fans who, Sophia, are, are feeling what you were just talking about, maybe a little angsty about that they had three days to, all they needed is one more win and they've been playing so great and they couldn't get that one win. And Devin said, 
I'm right in the boat with you. I mean, I think everybody was feeling like, let you know, it's we 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 got to do this. The, the my other favorite conversation was with Brandon Woodruff, which is not uncommon for that to be a favorite. We're t- I'm talking like out on the field. They've been inside, sprayed champagne, come back out on the field to celebrate with fans. So a long time has passed since all this went down. He still had no idea how they got in. <laughs> like he didn't know about Seiya Suzuki at all. And I don't think he particularly cared, but I asked him like, you know, how did you, you know, I was trying to get a feel for like where guys were when they saw it. Like Devin Williams and the bullpen guys had a feed on an iPad out in the bullpen. So they knew before anybody on the field did. And Corbin Burns was, you know, often the guys who aren't pitching like Wade Miley, Corbin Burns, they were in the clubhouse. So they saw it. And then they saw the clubhouse officials, Jason Schauger and Tony Migliaccio and, and Dan Larea and the guys like in charge of making sure that they can still play baseball and, you know, use that room to like prepare for a baseball game tonight, <laughs> getting all the plastic down and getting it ready in a hurry. Um, Debbie Atanasio had it, had the Cubs game on her phone, like on the MLB game day thing. And she just saw the in-play runs. <laughs> And so she knew before Mark or anybody else in their section, like I was just trying to get a feel for how everybody witnessed that crazy moment down in Atlanta. And Brandon Woodruff had no clue. (laughs) And I just thought that was the best and like the most Brandon Woodruff thing ever. He's just like, I'm just celebrating because I heard we won. (laughs) That is classic, classic Woody. Tim, you were there. You were like in the stands, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was up on the the concourse on the second deck and, you know, talking with everybody walking around the place. And, um, I think there was, you know, you heard the, the roar of the crowd. Everybody was looking on their phones. Everybody was talking. Nobody was leaving. Like the people that started to leave kind of realized something was going on and then they put it on the jumbotron. Um, so I just kind of pulled it up on my phone just to kind of see what the reaction was going to be. And it was loud and it was big. You know, it just, it just shows a little bit of what, um, how Milwaukee fans get it. Uh, they're smart. They understand what's at stake and what just happened. And I, I, I was right in the middle of it. <laughs> I was, I was getting to see, you know, the bird's eye, the fly on the wall view, um, of everybody sticking around the jumbotron, the, uh, the post game show, uh, what everybody was doing to get on the field, what the groundskeepers were doing. Like there's a lot of moving parts, uh, when all that's going on. And I did have a credential to get in the clubhouse, but you know what? That place was packed. So I was glad y'all had fun. <laughs> well, it's it's it, like controlled chaos, which is which is always controlled. Yeah, yeah. you're right. Un, well, no, I will say controlled because Sophia, I believe, had Mike Vasallo, the Brewers' fine PR man. Was he kind of wrangling guys for you, Soph? Yeah, he um, he was really helpful in the beginning as we were getting on the air. Well, and, <laughs> and then I, he I just say that, lost interest. <laughs> well, no, he, he was very helpful in the beginning. And then when they all left the clubhouse to go out on the field and take a team photo, yeah, um, that's when Rock also had a microphone and a camera on the field. So Mike was helping bring like uh, some people over to Rock, and then I was grabbing people on the side. So we were just trying not to... Uh, you know, double up on people. So it is it is controlled chaos. And I think Mike Vasallo and, and Andrew Grumman, they do a, a great job helping navigate a lot, especially on the field, right? When it all opens up and and people are just everywhere. 
Um, yeah, I think Andrew Grumman maybe was in charge of helping. Was Josh Maurer down there doing the same thing you were doing for radio? Correct, correct. So Grumman was on right, and then the writers were just like sort of on your own, and it's always like the weirdest feeling because normally you go down after a game and there's a kind of a plan and you have a sense who you want to talk to. And, you know, in my role, especially in the postseason, you maybe you always want to try to like do something a little different. Cause in the, when you get in games, like even last night, the press box was full. You want to like try to come up with a story that everybody's not telling. So you try to get away and do your own thing. Well, this, everybody's doing their own thing because you're just like gra literally grabbing guys by the arm as you can talk to them. And it, you always feel like, I miss, like, oh my God, I missed everything. Or you go back upstairs and you look down at your, and I use my phone to record things, video or just audio. And it's like, you like forget what you got because you're just literally grabbing guys. And some of it, you know, he says two words and then he gets sprayed in the face and the thing ends. And it's just a total mess. And you, you always feel like you've, <laughs> You didn't get anything. And then when you go up there and you start listening, it's like, oh my God, I got so much. How do I possibly use all this? So it it's a it chaos is definitely the word of the day. And look, I want to say one one other thing because um I, I think some people think like, well, you know, why are you celebrating every time you move on? Because now in baseball, there's so many of these, and it feels like, is it special if you do it over and over? And, I would say two things about that. One, yes, <laughs> because I think as a fan, um, you're looking at it, you're always looking at the day. Like for, for a fan, it might be like, well, they had three chances to clinch and they didn't do it themselves. For, for I think the guys in the room, they just went through, you know, a month and a half or two months of spring training plus six months of a regular season. For them, this has been a long haul that they earned over eight months, seven months. And I think that's why they are so elated and like uh, the shoulders relax when you get to a moment like this. And the other thing is like, if you don't celebrate this one because you think, oh, there's four more to go, I, there's no guarantees about anything. So when you, I, I think the way the, the, the teams think about it is you get a chance to celebrate, you do it. And I, I don't think being in enough of these now with enough different teams that I've ever seen anybody like get through it and say, ah, that was, you know, that's old. I, uh, they, they still do it with great energy. <laughs> they, they, they're still really into it. Yeah. For them, it has not gotten old, but I think that's a great point. And actually this just came up on a radio interview I did just this morning with, with Jen, Gabe and Chewy on ESPN Milwaukee. And Mark Shimura said that after they won the Super Bowl. They didn't even do a champagne celebration. And his memory of that is how underwhelming it was. Wow. And I, I was so, because he kind of falls in that camp of like, wow, you know, like they really celebrate a lot in baseball. And maybe it feels a little overblown to like a casual fan or even people who follow other sports of like, well, they don't do this in the NBA. They don't do this in the NFL. Why do you celebrate so often? And, and I, I took the same position, Adam, of like, it's just a marathon. It's so hard to do and nothing. You, you can't assume that one win or one series win leads to another one. Um, there's players who never get an opportunity to do this, right? Like, exactly. And so there are players that never get the opportunity to do this no matter how long they play. It's just, it's really, it's really special. And I just was just floored by what he said of like, 
Well, even after we won the Super Bowl and he had talked to some of his teammates after the fact, even after the parade, it was like, well, that's it. Like we just won the Super Bowl and that's it. It's it, fe- it felt underwhelming to him. So um, I, do, were, I do not think New I do not think they feel they, underwhelmed. <laughs> <laughs> weren't they in New Orleans when they won? Yes. I'm yes. pretty sure that they found something to do. Well, I think I think he meant like in the immediacy, right? Like in the locker room, no, no, like I, after yeah. the game, right? I mean, what they did after that, I didn't ask. Uh, <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's better we don't know. But um, I think that's why, you know, like you you do have to take those moments. Craig Council is a huge believer in that, right? Like yeah. he is a huge believer in like you earn these moments, and I think he enjoys them. That's like the one time I think he can maybe like, you know, put aside the the pressure and the responsibility of managing this team every day. Like he really does go all in and like embrace the moment with the players and with the staff and the front office. Like he includes everyone in that. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that's just what you have to do. Well, I number one, I've never heard where they say baseball players, you know, celebrate too much. I've never heard that before. This is new to me. Which is there's strange, always but, something to criticize. You're yeah, I know. Out. Let's just let's yeah do better baseball. No, I you're talking about these guys have been together seven eight months. Some of these players have been playing their whole lives, right? Yeah. They've been playing this. Some guys have been playing ten years in professional baseball. Never had a moment like this. And then you got someone like Craig Council, which success just follows this man. He knows what it's like to be a part of all of this, and he knows how sweet it is, and. He surrounds himself with people that enjoy this, and this is for the guys, and you get great moments out of that. And I know y'all were all right in there, but like Carlos Santana taking photographs, like that's who knew that was going to happen. That's what comes from these celebration moments where guys get to cut loose. You got rookies lighting cigars. That was a great video. Um, you got uh, Abnu Uribe was one of the highlights for me, dancing on the jumbotron. That was one of the coolest things. He can dance. I don't. I can't have a hard time believing anybody else is a better dancer than him on that team. That was so cool. Um, and then afterwards, just watching the kids run around on the field. You know, everybody's out there with their families, and it makes me think about the time where I was a part of some of those celebration. I got a great picture of my oldest when he was my youngest <laughs> on my shoulders out there. So uh, it, it's it's not so much the celebration where it's like, yeah, it's about everyone coming together in an environment where we're celebrating what we've done. Uh, you know, not just of over this season, but what guys have done over their entire career leading to this moment. And it's it's more probably for the psyche than anything else, especially getting the families involved, what the wives put up with. Um, it's for the front office people. It's for the organization. That's why you got some of the minor league coaches there. It is a full-on celebration of what has led to that moment because there's so much on this iceberg that goes into that. And so, yes, you do celebrate, and you can't celebrate it too much. That's funny that you mentioned the the front office being involved because I think that is a big part of it. And the, a lot of those guys were down in Miami, which was really cool, hoping to – well, they, they did. They had the toast when they clinched a playoff spot. Um, I'm working ahead on a story about kind of their pitching team, the way they put together the game plan every night. And I think it was Brandon Woodruff who told me in one of their clinching celebrations, at one moment he kind of looked around the room and he's like, well, in Brandon Woodruff voice, he says, golly, who are all these people? 
And it was because they had a lot of like the behind the scenes front office, you know, there's this army of kind of analysts that put together all the data that goes into all the scattering reports. Yep. Um, it sometimes can be the smallest thing that leads to the biggest out in the biggest game. And, and it can be from someone that a player like Brandon Woodruff has never even met and doesn't even know. Um, and for those guys to kind of be part of it, I, I think is also, uh, I'm glad you mentioned them because I think that's a cool part of the, of the whole thing. Cause there are a lot of people that go into this, that, that put in crazy hours to get through a baseball season. And, and that's another reason to celebrate some of these, these important moments. There was a great conversation, um, sort of, I mean, I, I loosely say as things were calming down, but a conversation between Mark Adonacio and Matt Arnold. And they were, they were chatting in the hallway outside of the clubhouse. And, you know, we were just talking about the night overall. And, and Mark said to Matt, he said, do you think we've spoken on the phone for more than 1,000 hours this season? <laughs> And I think he meant it. And I think he meant it seriously. And, and Matt was like, we probably have, you know, and they both had a laugh about it. And, but it's, it's true, right? Like just the, the volume of phone calls, decisions, right? And you think about how impactful specifically this year, the trade deadline was adding pieces like Carlos Santana and Mark Hanna, Josh Donaldson, um, even earlier in the year, adding Julio Tehran, right? The Colin Ray factor, um, Trevor McGill. Yeah, it's like the the volume of hours of work and conversation and decisions and adding and subtracting um, 58 different players that we've seen wear a Brewers uniform this year. Um, it all adds up, right? It all adds up. So, um However, the season is not over, guys. <laughs> we still have, <laughs> despite despite um, all the the confetti, the champagne, the celebrations. Uh, now officially, you can wear National League Central Division Champs gear. I'm sure that'll be available at the team store now. Um, there are five regular season games left. So, kind of what? How do you think that changes what these what we may see now that it's official? It's locked up. Job done. Check the box. Um, you know, I we know that we don't know the opponent yet for the wild card series that will start Tuesday, October third. But we we've got five regular season games for them to kind of map out their plans and and then get going next Tuesday. Well, what I think is great is they can they can kind of settle in for the next eight days. They'll be at home. And when you're a player and you're going, you know, homestand, roadstand, homestand, roadstand, you kind of just don't even empty your suitcase anymore. You kind of just, that becomes your drawer. That becomes everything. Now with this many days at home, they're just, they're guaranteed at least eight days, probably nine, maybe, you know, beyond. So for them, it's, it's just like, hey, let's dig in right here and finish this thing strong. And it's about who wants to play, who needs rest. Um, but you can't just let up. You can't just sit there and bring everybody out and push everybody else that hasn't been playing. Um, you need to start figuring out what your roster going to look like in the, you know, the 26-man roster that's going to be for postseason. And it's, it's a tryout in some ways for some guys to figure out who do we need. Um, and it's a time for, for Council and his staff and Matt Arnold to figure out, okay, what kind of starters do we keep? Do we need to keep all five starters on staff or six starters on staff for a three-game series? So there's a lot of that that's going around to try to figure out um, 
into these last five games. But I think the biggest thing is that they're at home, and this first round of the playoffs, it is at home. They are guaranteed at least three games. Um, hopefully they can just win it in two, but it's about being at home. Yeah, and look, some of this is already in motion. Um, you Because it's a regular season, you can't just bring in a bunch of players and have them take early BP and be ready and tuning up for the playoffs. Because you always want to have a pool of extra men around um, in case you have some injury issues or whatever. So already yesterday, the Brewers have a pool of players in Phoenix working out. And we don't like know the whole list, but think of like the Owen Millers, um, who would be logical, maybe a Joey Weimer, guys like that that are sort of your first line of of defense should something happen are are already down there doing some lives, just working out, staying in baseball shape. Then you have Garrett Mitchell and Jesse Winker who are on rehab assignment. They came, they can come to American Family Field. So we saw particularly Mitchell yesterday. I had to project a 26-man playoff roster for the first round. I've got Mitchell on it as like a pinch runner. <clears throat> I think there's at least one spot on the roster, as we've seen in the last couple of weeks, that's not for the position player that's not really utilized. So I think you certainly can carry a guy like Mitchell as just maybe he steals a base in a big spot for you. So the, there's already sort of some moving pieces. Now, the pitching's really interesting because we're, we're talking uh, bleary-eyed on Wednesday morning. <clears throat> Wade Miley, Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta are the next four scheduled starters. It'll, it'll, at least if, if the, when those guys pitch, it'll be like a limited outing. It's like a tune-up sort of thing. Um, in the case of Wade Miley, Tim, you mentioned this. The way that the series, uh, at least the three game, you, you know, you you don't need all those starters. So there is the room. Like the Braves made some pitching moves. Um, there's room to make some roster moves, even if you want to bring someone in just to like fill some innings and still have that whoever is on the other side of that available for a potential division series if you don't think you're going to use them in the wild card series so i don't know if any of that's going to happen but it certainly are like the decisions that now they need to make they're now in the mode of kind of planning the postseason roster and on the pitching side is interesting one one more thing that i was thinking about yesterday don't underestimate two things the danger of a best of three playoff series it's not as dangerous as a wild card one and done, which the Brewers figured out, unfortunately, in 2019. But it's still really dangerous. And that, that weekend in Miami showed it. They had Burns, Woodruff, Peralta all lined up, playing great, and they lost to a three. So, like, weird things happen in short series. Number two, the benefit of, of winning that series in two for a team that has three great starting pitchers is monumental. Because the way the off days are now arranged in sort of this new format, you can navigate a division series with three starting pitchers and have no one on short rest. I'm talking with my hands. And that for a team like the Brewers with three elite starters is really huge. So that's getting like way ahead but it's just something that that's the mode we're in now is we're like all this strategy that happens during the regular season is now like turned up to 11 and it's a fun time of year because of that it is really fun adam i know i think you went through like how many 10 different versions of your 26 man playoff roster right it's like playing armchair gm like you know all the fans and trying to anticipate these decisions um yep. 
it's a it's a fun part you know it's it's a and it's it's a fun these are fun conversations to have and i'm sure we'll have all kinds of questions for craig and matt in the coming days of of kind of how they get through this stretch and and what the all kinds of things that they're considering that maybe we're not even considering so um it is it's definitely a fun time of year and for them to clinch the division at home was was definitely a special night um and we've got we've got a special guest coming up here on Brewers Unfiltered who will be talking about all of these decisions and calling these postseason games coming up. Uh, we've got a special guest, Brian Anderson. We'll uh, we'll be right back on Brewers Unfiltered. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. We're back on Brewers Unfiltered, the clinched edition. The Brewers are now officially National League Central Division champions, and we know that they're headed to the postseason for the fifth time here in the last six years. And... They will be hosting the Wild Card Series here in Milwaukee starting Tuesday, October 3rd. And one of our own broadcasters, Brian Anderson, will be on assignment covering the postseason for TBS. So he will not be covering that first Wild Card round. However, uh, TBS does have the National League this year. They alternate coverage between the American League and the National League. This year happens to be a National League year for TBS and their coverage. So possible that B.A. could get the Brewers, should they advance, um, into the postseason beyond the wildcard round. So we had a great chat with B.A. Uh, here, enjoy it, about his assessment of this 2023 team and what lies ahead for them in the postseason. We have a special guest on Brewers Unfiltered, Brian Anderson. Which and one? <laughs> B.A., the announcer, the one and only, the voice of the Brewers. <laughs> Not to be confused with Brian Anderson, the Marlins, because mm-hmm. we are here in Miami, and not to be confused with Brian Anderson, the current Brewers player, Brian Anderson of Brewers Television. That's right. Thanks for joining us, B.A. I'm the tall one. <laughs> it's the tall Brian Anderson here, the unathletic, not as handsome one. It's great to be here. All of you guys are around in a circle like a campfire looking at me right now, you and Tim and Adam. I don't know what's happening. I, don't, I feel like this is an intervention right now. <laughs> yes, we're really close. Yeah. Are there any questions? We do have questions. Oh, okay, good. We do. Um, we are one week away from the postseason. We do know the Brewers are in, and this is where you come in because you are going to be on assignment with – TBS and you'll be covering the National League. So 
We know the Brewers are in. Kind of what's just your assessment of having watched this team all season and how they've gotten to this point and and obviously a huge accomplishment of getting into the postseason for the fifth time in the last six seasons. Well, first of all, you should buy tickets to the wild card series. That's really important. And that starts Tuesday. So that starts Tuesday the 3rd. There'll be wild card series games. I won't be a part of that as a broadcaster. Uh, that's going to be on ESPN. But we still want you to show up in person anyway on the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, if possible. I think the Brewers can win the World Series. So, And I'm not saying that as a Brewer announcer. Actually, I've never actually said that before in all of the other years uh, that they've gone into the playoffs because I don't know if I've ever really believed that. You hope that. You, you could see a path maybe in 2011 or maybe 2018, but I have not felt that um, until this year. The way they're playing now, uh, I do I do believe uh, they have a chance to win a World Series because of the way they've changed their offense. So they've always had this great pitching and defense, but they, their offense, the lineup has been fattened, and that's an important thing to be. They're not so vulnerable against lefties. Uh, they have experience. They see a lot of pitches per plate appearance. They do things that in the playoffs matter. Uh, it's tough for starters or any pitchers to get through with pitch counts in the postseason. Uh, you can really ratchet those up, especially when the crowds get rolling. So I do believe with their pitching, this is a golden era of Brewers baseball, and I do think they have a chance uh, to win a World Series this year, um, maybe their best chance. Sometimes I'm the uh, high BA. Sometimes I'm... And you are. Uh, <laughs> my name is Adam McCalvey. <laughs> Uh, my name is Adam McKelvey, and my role on this sometimes is be to try to be the grizzled old no. scribe and come from. So here's the contrarian point of view to that, and I'm curious because you have covered Braves games this year for TBS. You've done the Dodgers. Yep. Brewers fans have watched the Brewers play the Dodgers and the Braves, mm -hmm. and it did not go well. Mm -mm. Those are uh, in the Dodgers uh, case a uh, incredible offense, incredibly experienced team. Mm -hmm. And in the Braves' case, like one of the best teams I've ever seen, why can't why could the Brewers beat one of those teams when those regular season games that's maybe on some people's minds uh, were a little bit uh, scary? Yeah, I agree. Well, that's a good assessment too. But I also, you know, the way the regular season flows to get to the tournament is a lot different than a than a playoff scenario. And I do think the Braves' lineup is the best lineup that I've ever seen. Um, I mean, we can throw them in the 27 Yankees conversation. I'm, I don't flinch saying that. I've never seen a lineup one through nine have that much success and with slug and with incredible speed and talent and power throughout. So there's no windows there. I, I think the Braves bullpen um, is questionable. And even, even the Braves personnel, Brian Snitker himself said, I have worries about our pitching staff. Um, they're going to feel the most pressure in a division series round. Uh, the Dodgers have a lot of great young talent in the pitching ranks, and then Clayton Kershaw. So they're a little bit of an unknown. It's an incredibly talented lineup. They are also going to feel the most pressure in a division series round. So those tables are going to be a little flipped when the Brewers are in the wild card series, which starts on October 3rd, and you should buy tickets for that. But that the Brewers are going to feel the most pressure in that series because they are a division winner. And it's a three-game series. And like we saw last year, Seattle goes into Toronto, Toronto's home field. Seattle just waxed them. And there is pressure playing at home. That's why those crowds are so important at home, and you earn that home field advantage. But 
the Brewers will feel that pressure if they do survive and they end up in a series with the Dodgers, as it looks right now, in a division series. That's going to be a complete flip. And I, I think pitching and defense reign. You still need to slug. It's hard to string hits together. But pitching and defense reign in the postseason and then those occasional two, three-run home runs that pop up. Sometimes they're wild, you know, high-scoring games. But for the most part, um, there is, there's a flow to playoff games that's different than the regular season. I would put zero stock in what happened in the regular season in the postseason. Well, when you you hear about ex- you oh, I'm Tim Dillard. We work together sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Hey, by the way, how am I doing uh, in the booth when we're working together? <laughs> I don't know. Let's talk about that after this. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing great. You're doing awesome. I'm kidding. I'm failing at this interview. Um, we we hear about expectations a lot. Do you think the Brewers um, coming into this season? Did you think there's a lot of expectation to where they would be, and did they exceed that? Did they reach it, or are they below it? And then maybe talk about maybe some teams that didn't make it. Yeah, well, there, there's there's some major disappointments around the league. Obviously, you start with all the big market teams. Any payroll over 200 million, and there's plenty of them now. Padres, Yankees. Uh, you just look at you know the Mets <laughs> these are huge collapses and huge disappointments uh, I did not see the Brewers I, I didn't have expectations like the statement I made earlier about winning a World Series I knew their pitching was going to be great um, but as we saw last year and I don't they've never said this and never said this to me my opinion is the Josh Hader trade comes about because I don't think they looked at their roster thought they could go all the way through and win a World Series genuinely uh, that would be my take on that. And that's kind of what we felt in spring training. It looks like an offense that is not going to be great, dynamic by any stretch, and that's kind of the way they played most of the season, you know, in the first half, really up and up until the second, third week of August. Uh, but they did remake their lineup, and I think Matt Arnold deserves a lot of credit, his staff, um, for being a first-year GM to be uh, – to kind of like pinpoint specific players that can help without – giving up a lot of uh, a lot of your minor league system. Um, man, he's home-runned with Carlos Santana, with Mark Canna, with Josh Donaldson. That has allowed all these rookies that you're relying heavily on uh, to be themselves and not have to carry that burden. And they're kind of flourishing because of that. Yelich has had a bounce-back year, too. So expectations were not where they are now because we didn't see that all year. Then in August, it really since August – 18th, the expectations have ratcheted up tremendously. And the secret weapon is I think they have the best manager in the game in Craig Council. BA, as you said, Milwaukee will be hosting the Wild Card Series October 3rd, 4th, and 5th. You will be locked into your prep at that point because your assignment begins with the NLDS. You don't know which series you'll have yet, but can you just take us through what your process is like? You've obviously covered the whole regular season. You've seen all these teams. But when you're preparing for a postseason series with your crew, what does your prep look like? How do you lock in? And then, you know, getting into your assignments. And then you're, you're off for the month, right? You're, you're bouncing around with your assignments. Yeah, it's a totally different brain space. And you go from, you know, there's a, I do that anyway, just going from the Brewers on the RSN with you guys and then switching over to the national games where um, – it's, it's, more, it's a more down-the-middle, neutral call. What I say is I celebrate success. So there are national announcers that will harp on 
the negatives, because that is obviously always a big storyline with any team. You hear that a lot in, in the football world, in the NFL world especially. Uh, for me, though, I kind of apply the Vin Scully uh, pattern, and I talked to Vin Scully in the early days when when I started to do national TV, and he, had, of course, had done the Dodgers forever, but had done national games and called the Dodgers in the World Series, for example. And, and Joe Buck was a guy that I talked to about it, John Miller, Tom Brenneman. These are all guys who were doing local teams but also doing national games. And then where I kind of landed all those years ago and I started doing national games in 08 was really uh, celebrate success, however that looks, whoever that may be. And if it's Albert Pujols hitting a home run off Zach Greinke in the 2011 NLCS, which Brewers fans still give me grief over, but that is the success that I have to celebrate because of what that is. And I and you know, I think people would look at me or when they when fans hear me on the Brewers broadcast, of course, everything I do on a Brewers broadcast is through the Brewers lens. Uh, on a national game, it's not. So you're not going to hear. If I end up doing a Brewers series, and I've done two of them, I did one in 08, and I've done one in, I did one in 11. Um, it's not the most comfortable thing, but also, like, I know so much about the team, the players. So for a national audience to be able to, to have me, and let's say Jeff Francoeur, if it ends up Braves-Brewers, uh, we're going to know way more than any other national broadcaster would. And that's not always the case. Your local announcer always knows more about that team than I do when I go do the Astros last year through the ALCS. So, And we recognize that, but we try to deliver the storylines and then get lost in the game and, and the moments of the game. So um, it'll come like it, it always comes. It's just, uh, especially in the baseball world, you're going to get grief from the Brewers fans, if I do a Brewers series, you're certainly going to get grief from the other fans because they think you have it out for them and you're a homer. <laughs> yeah. You cannot get around that. That's just the way it is. Um, there's been a million conversations about that. I remember writers in Philadelphia killed me before the Brewers-Phillies series even started in 08. I didn't even say one word on the air, and they're like, well, how can this guy be doing this series? So that's just the way it is, and I understand that. Have your fun on Twitter. It doesn't bother me, but I'm not a fan when I go do the playoffs. I'm not a fan. I don't care who wins. I might care after, but when I'm on the air, it's an assembly line. I'm trying to get from one inning to the next, trying to entertain and inform as best we can and celebrate success, whoever has the success. Well, you've talked about that a little, B.A. One of the things that always fascinates me, and just to like lay it out for fans, is that all year long, the the, the TV crew follows the team, you know, ups and downs and you get through it. And then the postseason comes and it's like, okay, goodbye. Like for, for Bill Schroeder, for example, yeah. I mean, he, he, he's done this 30 years. And once the postseason comes, these great moments, I always find it so unfair and it like yes. bothers me. I wish there was more that those, you know, they could, they could use those guys in a role. Um, I, I mean, for you, do you you must enjoy that like your season gets to go on you get to cover some of these big games do you like when you draw the brewers or because of all those complications you just mentioned is it like just easier to to have another game yeah it's, pro- it's probably easier to have another game i don't i just kind of take it for what it is i don't care because obviously it becomes an easier travel scenario for me if i do draw the brewers and um you know in the beginning i remember the first inning of the first brewers game i did uh, in the NLDS of 08, I, I went through the lineup and I was saying things like, 
JJ and Prince and Ricky, and I was using nicknames, and I wasn't, and my producer got my ear. He goes, oh, by the way, nobody knows who those people are. Say their last names. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So I got to kind of, oh, Hardy. You know, and I, and I wouldn't call him Hardy all that often, or I wouldn't, I always said Prince. I very rarely even said Fielder. And so I, re, I do remember that. Uh, that was a quick little uh, change. But um, I think, I, I do feel bad. I, I am very aware every time we go into a playoff series, every year I've ever done it, going back to 2008, that I'm very aware of the local TV broadcasters, and I would include Sophia and Tim and the pre- and post-game folks as well, that don't get to do it. Now, some teams will allow their TV people to come in and mix in with radio, and I like that. We do not do that, but uh, I do like when that happens around. So the way I try to do, just to be respectful of that, is I, I try to use different phrases maybe that Dave Sims would say in a Mariner series that, that they would resonate and credit him, like as Dave Sims would say, or I will mention those guys. Or oftentimes, one thing that I've started the last few years just because we have a great tape room, is I will, and there's a Milwaukee girl in that tape room, Lisa Rodriguez, by the way, so she knows I like this, so I will try to capture a call from the local radio announcer if it's a big moment, and we will use that as a rollout or a roll-in coming back from the next break, and so we do that quite often, like we will have, uh, you know, Rick Riz, who called the Mariners, we would have him, if he had a big call on a home run, we would use that, and I would say, and as it was heard on Seattle Mariners radio, and I do that as kind of an homage to uh, the people that have been there every day with their teams. It's a much different broadcast, obviously, when you're a local, especially on the radio, you're local on the radio. And my advice is always, if you are tired of hearing the neutral broadcast, just go listen to Bob Euchre on the radio. That should be your first option anyway. <laughs> like, why, why, why subject yourself to that. If you want to hear it from your perspective, go listen to it from your perspective. You know, Scott Fransky with the Phillies, we we have this conversation all the time, but I, you know, when Roy Halladay threw a no-hitter, I'd never forget the scene when we all the announcers, everybody who called the play-by-play of that no-hitter came out into the hallway. So, I'm out there from TBS. Whoa, amazing. That was incredible. Boog Shambi did ESPN radio. He Oh my god, amazing. Scott Fransky, Phillies radio comes out. Oh my god, amazing. Marty Brenneman of the Reds, swearing like a sailor. <laughs> God, son of a mother, he's pissed yeah. because his team just got no hit. And it's like, there it is. In a nutshell, all of us are calling the same game. We all have our own reasons. We all have bosses too. And it's just, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, there's nothing like baseball too. Like, Football announcers don't deal with that hardly ever. When I go do the NBA, hardly ever deal with like the local fans going, oh my God, this guy's such a homer. There's one guy in Boston, <laughs> for whatever reason, I think he's a podcaster and he's kind of, you know, picking at the low hanging fruit there, but he will kind of wear on me. He thinks I am a huge Bucks fan. It's like, I don't work for the Bucks. I probably do two or three Bucks games a year. Oh, sure enough, though, I show up. He's like, oh, well, he's for the Bucks. You know, I, he's, he lives in Milwaukee. Must be for the Bucks. But we got to be from somewhere. Um, but there's nothing like baseball fans. They're crazy. What bothers me, I don't mind the fans doing it. The only thing that does bother me is when writers, credentialed writers, make a mention. Or if, like, talk show hosts go down that road. And they're they're all about clicks. And they're, again trying to get the low-hanging fruit. That's what bothers me. When when they 
I don't stoke the fires of the fan base. I'm fine with fans like you, Homer. You know, I've been booed during trophy presentations like that. <laughs> that happens. And I'm like, hey, that hurt my feelings. But of course, like they want to see their guy out there handed him a trophy. When I when I gave the Nationals their National League Championship trophy in 2019, you know, it's 40,000 people. Ladies and gentlemen, Brian Anderson from TBS. Boo! It's like, oh, okay, here we go. So that's just the way it is. It's okay. Let me ask you, you don't have to get long-winded at all, but what do you love about this job? You've been doing it a long time. You know everybody. I get to see you interact with everyone. (laughs) We travel. What's your favorite part of this whole thing? You know, I love that question, and I could get really long-winded. could probably write a book about it, but I I love this. I love being around people that I like and want to be around and have are like-minded like us. We all love the game, and... Um, so I love the people and the relationships. I always say to young broadcasters, the gigs are the gigs. It's the relationships that matter. And you're going to meet, uh, some of your greatest friends in the business. And, you know, I, and also I love walking into an empty stadium or ballpark or arena that to me, when I was eight years old, walking into the Astrodome for the first time in Houston going, Oh my God. This is like that experience. I still have a little bit of that feeling when I walk into a ballpark or an arena when nobody's there yet. It's my favorite time to walk in there. It's very poetic for me to just like, whoa, and go through the mental Rolodex of all the cool things that have happened here or yesterday or two days ago or this locker room or remembering Christian Yelich fracturing his kneecap, like all the bad thoughts too. It's like there's so much history that's being made in these venues and the sporting venues. And so I do love that. And I, I love like just going through in my mind all the clips of things. And especially for me to go into places that maybe I've called playoff games for or, you know, uh, to be able to go to Yankee Stadium, but then where the Brewers are now in Yankee Stadium. And I was just there for the ALCS. And then that juxtaposition of I'm here for the Brewers now and I was there with a different company uh, earlier. And so that's what I love. I love, like, those experiences that come out, the colors – if you get real specific, just the brightness of the colors, the green of the grass, the, I don't know, every ballpark and every arena is just so interesting to me. And it's such a great public square for people to come together and enjoy something, especially as divisive as we are in this country right now, just to to have sports be that kind of place. That's what I love about being a part of it. That's so sappy, BA. (laughs) But I'm about to be more sappy because before we're done, I want to say, there is nobody in our orbit, I'm pointing at, at Tim and Sophia, the, around the Brewers, around baseball, who supports the people or, around him or her than you. You text, you know, if you like something one of us does, you text us, you let us know when someone's doing a good job. People on social media will see you support, you know, bands you like, local, whatever it is, restaurants. But I don't think people know how good you are at supporting the people who are in this game so we got to say just i just want people to know that because because it's one of those things that you do not for attention but i sorry i'm giving you a little attention i I appreciate that and that's uh, that credit belongs to my mom so i'm happy to do that it's part of who i am it's what i think that's the the beauty of this job is to because it's this life's hard you know i remember when sophia first started it's like it's a beat down and now you're on TV and it rolls and that train rolls every day. And it's like, oh, I got to do this all over again. And so Tim, when he first started too, and you know, you've, you've started to do a lot of television 
uh, you're a writer and I'm sure you never had in mind that you would be so present on video. And, and so I just like, my, even my dad always said, put your head on a swivel, uh, even as a little kid. And you're always just trying to find either people need encouragement, people need to be taken down a little bit, like all of that, it all fits. Um, but you know, we're, like I said, the relationships matter most and that to me is life-giving. Um, so that I, I, I appreciate the kudos, but I can't function without recognizing people's talents and abilities and successes, and then trying to pick up their, their failures too. Like that's important too. So that's what like life in this world and in any, any world really is, uh, that's kind of what it's all about. Yeah, we, we joke on our crew about the BA School of Broadcasting, but that is a very real thing. Tim and I have absolutely, uh, I think we're still students in the BA School of Broadcasting. Okay? We don't graduate. We're, we're lifelong students, but we are sincerely so grateful, just like Adam said, for you, for your time, for your support, your encouragement, your coaching, your time here on this podcast. So um we all have a game to get ready yes, for. Yeah. So thank you so much, B.A., and uh, we'll, we'll all be listening in the postseason. Thanks, right. B.A., for the time. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Guys, I know we all really enjoyed that chat with B.A. Um, in Miami and, and just grateful for his time to offer kind of a more national perspective, right, of, of maybe how the rest of the league sees the Brewers, their, their playoff odds, uh, what this road could look like for them. And, and Adam, I know, um, you know, we, we always enjoy chatting with BA. He's the best. As I said, I mean, he, he is so quick to send a text to, you know, place a call when he, when you've done something he likes. Um, that's one of the biggest lessons I've learned from BA is to do those things. It's such a great life lesson. Just take two seconds and send someone a text when you, they did something that you enjoyed. Um, I love that about him. It's the thing I love most besides the fact he is an A plus broadcaster who someday is going to be, you know, calling all the big things and we're going to hear his voice and be like, I know that guy. Um, so any, I, I have one follow up before we go. Tim is someone who's been through a couple of these, uh, you know, celebration type uh, nights. What's the next day? Like <laughs> the next day. Tell, well, tell mean, us all still, about the yeah. next day since we're now there. The next day, it's different for everybody. If I'm if I'm on the inactive roster, it's it really doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would say the biggest thing is a lot of guys worry about like, man, how are they going to get the clubhouse back to normal? I, I I'm not going to lie. There's been times I've left the clubhouse, I come back, and I'm like, how did they do this? How did they get this thing back to where it's been? after what we all pulled off last night. <laughs> and it's pretty good. I've been in there early one time where the carpet was still kind of wet, but um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like it's, you, 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 you're, yeah, you hug everybody the next day, and then about the time, you know, batting practice gets going and the game starts to get ramped up, like you're just, you're focused right back on the task at hand of going out and winning ball games. But um, yeah, it's always interesting walking back in. You're like, what am I going to see when I get back to the clubhouse? like a clubby in the corner taking a nap <laughs> they probably it never must left take, it must take an army to get that place back together those those guys are heroes you think about all the the walk-off celebrations they're pouring the gatorade and guys the spikes are getting wet or their glove like nothing falls through the cracks these guys are super prepared uh ben wilkes jason shogger tony miggs all these guys working together to make sure that all the stuff is back to normal for the guys to play 
Um, it's a big deal and it's it's super surprising. I bet you'll hear some stories from some of the guys tomorrow of like, how in the world is this place back to normal? Yeah, that process was already underway last night when I left. Um, <laughs> and it, 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 it actually looked shockingly good uh, to their credit. Um, but yeah, even... I mean, even the, we had a great shot uh, last night. I think it was the eighth or the ninth inning as yeah. it was getting really close of, I mean, Ryan Woodley and the grounds crew were in mm -hmm. the clubhouse. Just, you could, you, they were all frantically pulling the plastic down and, and securing it and putting stickers and flags up. And yeah, that it takes, it truly takes a village. So uh, congratulations to everyone involved. But uh, that wraps up our Brewers Unfiltered Clinch Edition. We'll hopefully have more for you coming here as the Brewers get into the postseason. The Wild Card Series will be here in Milwaukee at American Family Field starting Tuesday, October 3rd. That'll be the 3rd, 4th, and 5th, so plan accordingly as you're making your plans next week, and we'll hopefully be talking with you the postseason edition. So thanks for listening here on Brewers Unfiltered. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.